Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. They lost? Wait. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome in, everybody. Nice. It is, uh, you know, it's it's back to the comforting days of of losing Bears football. You know, I mean, we got that reprieve with the uh, the one the 1W that broke the 14-game losing streak, but they were unable to break the now 10-game home losing streak, 11 game divisional losing streak, and now five games to the Minnesota Vikings. I saw a stat. They haven't won in Chicago in like 400 days. It's like, oh my God, how depressing is this franchise? Very. (laughs) You know, I really thought they turned the corner. I I thought, you know, two weeks in a row, I kind of likened it back to last year, that six game stretch, right? Where the offense looked competent. I'm like, okay, this is this year's version of that, but it's, you know, there's, there's better talent. So I thought yeah. it would be something and no, no, it's not. I would just right back to the same old crap again. And oh, well, that's, uh, well, I think we should... more in the first half. Oh, I saw that. I was just, come on. What are we doing here? Yeah. It's fun. Right. When we think we got things figured out. Yeah. I think we should get this thing started. Cause, uh, it's it's, we're already depressed over the whole thing. And this is supposed to be the balance show, and it's not already there. So, All right. So for you that are watching before we start the podcast, I am on the road. I'm in a hotel. Obviously, it's not my normal background. Uh, and so the internet goes out. Lester's going to cover. And uh, if my sound's not perfect, because I did not bring my microphone to the East Coast. Uh, I brought my webcam, though. So hopefully it's not too bad. And we will uh, get rocking here. Sounds good to me, you know. Just a second. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears get back to their losing ways, extending a lot of losing streaks, like home losing streaks, division losing streaks, losing streaks to the Minnesota Vikings. But other than all of those losing streaks, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain. It's, uh, you know, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about the weather <laughs> in our open. The weather's not bad. A lot of rain over the weekend. But, you know, us Midwesterners, that's when there's nothing else going on good, you know, and, and the Bears are not going on good. It's 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 weather talk. You know, you, you are in where now? You're, I know you're on the road. So where are you at exactly? I am in our nation's capital, the okay. last the site of the last Bears win. Oh, uh, man. So, so is there, there is that connection so on an east coast trip uh we're here for the week uh i was in connecticut on saturday and uh finished my a half marathon in my 34th state and happened nice. to break my personal best so Man. i'm i'm winning i'm feeling You're winning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh not not so much for our favorite football team but uh why don't we just launch into this because you know it's going to be a tough one uh yeah. because they looked like uh like garbage so 
we start off every show by starting in the trenches. So for a trench tribute this week, maybe not as much to choose from as there was last week, but what'd you come up with? I like the game from uh, Jatiri Carter. You know, he, he was forced into action. Nate Davis had the high ankle sprain. Uh, he got kind of rolled up on, uh, which, which which you hate to see because Nate Davis has been playing pretty good the last couple of weeks. He really has come, you know, come back over his personal issues that he had to get over. Looked good. But Jatiri Carter, a lot of experience in the offseason, a lot of experience in the regular season, stepped in and, uh, you know, played pretty good. And, you know, Nate Davis's, I think it was a two or three year deal, but whatever it was, Jatiri Carter, whoever's coaching next year, you know, Carter's going to be part of this team. It looks like he looks like a keeper here. Uh, so, so kudos to Ryan Poles for plucking a guy like Carter late in the draft last year. Oh, you remember that Carter was the guy that they kept on the active roster all year, even though he didn't really see much action, maybe a little bit late in the year. Uh, but they kept him over their other draft pick that they late draft pick in the interior offensive line that went a little higher. Yeah. And, and uh, he got plucked off of the practice squad and a lot of people are like, Whoa, you know what, what's going on here. They like Carter more from the start. And I think he's showing you why um, he was actually mine too. Um, nice. You know, again, like saw, saw some good buzz pop from him post game, went back and watched the game again, watched the snaps looked good. Uh, and like you said, he's going to get some extended action now. So this is a guy that we can watch, get some starts. Uh, it sounds like Nate Davis has a has a high ankle sprain, so that's yeah. generally, you know, a multi week injury, particularly for a big guy. That's that's something that might be tough to come back from, just because of all the weight bearing that they have to have to do. They they have to make sure that they're able to to fully have that healed because you, know, you can't push a guy. Uh, with with a high ankle sprain so he could be out for a significant amount of time and that opens up an opportunity to get some reps for a guy like carter so you get an extended audition <clears throat> an extended audition out of him and, and see what he can do so i think that's a it's a good pick uh, we're both on the same page so again you and i are on the same page we're on mid-season we form uh you know again our favorite football team may not may not be yeah uh why don't we go to the uh tweet of the week just let's move right along let's move right along this week yeah <laughs> tweet of the week I, i'm gonna start with mine so i, I highlighted our, our good friend ken mitchell uh who runs the does a great job running the bears den uh and he's he's at wcg bears den dude he says it's not that they are bad they are and they are very bad it's yeah. that they are bad in a way that isn't even fun to watch i mean if they were bad but showing growth that would be one thing this year they are just bad and showing bad. I've used the word bad seven times now. My bad. Uh, it's kind of like you run out of ways to describe this this team and on this on this what this era. This and I have I have some more floose era stuff coming <laughs> in this show, uh, but I but I think Ken sort of captures it pretty well. Where you just you're so like flabbergasted by what's happening that all of the words just kind of escape you and you just kind of come back to one thing and you're just like, this team's just bad. Yeah. And, and so it's really just kind of distilled down to uh, the, the feeling of the fan base. I think right now is just one of frustration and just one of like, Ugh, they're just bad. You know, uh, Dan Bernstein uh, who does uh, been with the score for a long time in Chicago, the AM radio station, he had a thing called fun bad that he would always talk about years mm -hmm. ago. And it, it was a thing where it was like, it was so bad, but they were doing things in such a, a comically bad way. It was actually, you know, it's it's fun to watch, you know, not necessarily playing good, just 
bad. This team is just not that at all. It's it's depressing. It's boring. It's it's typical and it's like pathetic. Just like we talked in an open a little bit or our, our pre-show. Like Luke Getze goes back to the stuff he did earlier that was just like not working at all. It's almost like he just brought the same game plan from week one, week two in here to to the game against the Vikings after having some success, after having the extra time to prepare because you played on Thursday nights. It's just this is the best they could do. It's just it's sad to see how bad there it is again, how bad this team is. is just is just operates. Uh, we, we should mention that we titled the show inspired by our, our friend bears girl from Twitter. And, uh, she had put out a tweet about, I, I don't even know, some, uh, some dating show, some reality that. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I, and, and I, I read it and, you know, 75% of her tweets are about the bears and I assumed that it was about the bears. And so I commented as such, but it was uh, what a boring, lame, ridiculous waste of a season. Uh, I believe was her, was her comment. I thought that, that pretty much sums it up. Right. And, and I think you're right. I, I've always said, if you can't be good, at least be entertaining. And, and so there's been players that are fun to watch. So even if you're bad, you've got fun players that you're watching and you're, you're cheering for. And, and this team does have some players that I like yeah. to watch. And, and, and so don't get me wrong there. Those guys are there. But so often they're forgotten about, even though they're clearly the best weapon that you have, that they're, they're put in a, in a position where they can't succeed. Um, and, and so it's just, it's just not fun. There, there's nothing fun about this, this bad team. What makes it even even less fun is because at least last year we knew we knew the plan. That's the rebuild. They're going to tear that down to the studs, and they're going to play the young guys, and they're going to try and see what they got. And you know, the, that, that's what they sold the fans on. This was supposed to be the okay. We'll take another step this year. We're not going to be a, a title contender this year, but we're going to take a step. They took a step backwards. This team looks worse. They look less prepared. I just don't know what's going on. And it's like, are we already at the point now, six games in the season, that it's already thinking about a redo again? Jim, uh, you ever see a, a place that had been around for a while, no one had like a, a building that no one had been in for a while, it's kind of in rough shape, and then they like tear it down, demo, right? You're like, great, that's awesome, yeah. right? Like they're going to build something. And then like it just remains an empty lot for like five years. That's kind of what this feels like. We're, we're like, oh, great. We're going we're gonna to see what's going to go in here. And it's great. And then like nothing happens. And it's just, it's like, well, I guess we don't have the eyesore, but now there's just nothing there. So that's not really fun either. So yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's bad. It's bad. What about you? What do you got? Brad Biggs, of course, a longtime beat writer for the Chicago Tribune. If Tyson Bajan starts Sunday against the Raiders at Soldier Field, he will become the Bears' 29th starting quarterback since 2000. That's just a sad number. I'm not even sure if that's the worst. I know the, the Browns have had Browns. some issues at quarterback, but 29 starting quarterbacks since 2000. It's just – and it sounds like it will be the Tyson Bajan show because, you know, Fields has a dislocated thumb, no surgery, but, you know, he can't grip a football still. They're going to try and see what they can do with some rehab, but I, I'm guessing they're going to shut him down for at least a game here. So it'll be Tyson Bajan, 29th starting quarterback since 2000. I, I guess we can get kind of excited for the newness of, hey, let's see what Bajan can do. 
it'll be a fun story if he has some success. But I'm not expecting much out of Tyson Bajent. I mean, do you want to talk about Bajent here? Do you want to talk about Bajent in the Fields Report? Let's hold it. Let's hold it. Yeah, okay. We have some more fun. There's something fun coming, I think, I hope. I hope. <laughs> All right. Caught up in a numbers game. Let's let's move on to that. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to say about starting quarterback uh, no, number 29 since 2000, besides that 29 is more than the number of years since the year 2000. So that's not good. Yeah. Like, generally want that number to at least be lower than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, caught up in a numbers game. I'll start off. Uh, my stat of the week is 174. That is the win percentage of the Matt Eberflus era. Do you know the coach before Eberflus? Uh, that's the worst winning percentage in team history. Oh, Do you man. know the coach that owns the worst, the second worst winning percentage in team history now? Um, I'll know when you say it. It's Abe Gibron. Abe Gibron. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Abe Gibron has has the record and has had it for a long time. Now John Fox was flirting with that record, but he won a few games to to put him over the top. Uh, Abe Gibron has a 274 uh, win percentage. Okay. So so here's the thing. This is going to be bad. Let's assume. <laughs> let's assume that that Matt Eberflus finishes out year two of his coaching career with the Chicago Bears. But let's assume that he's done after this year. Matt Eberflus would have to go six and five in the remaining 11 games to avoid being the worst head coach in team history. Six and five. He has to win more than half of his remaining games for him to avoid displacing Abe Gibron, who was widely known as the worst coach in, in team history. It's not going to happen. He's going to, yeah. he's going to leave Chicago as the worst coach in team history. Like there's, I see zero chance of him winning six of the last 11 games. So uh, I don't know how, how bad it's going to get. Right. I don't know if that 174 mark is going to get higher or lower by the end, but I feel pretty confident in saying that he will finish as the worst Bears head coach ever. Uh, six and five finish would give him seven wins in this year, which is what some of us thought he would we'd have a chance for flirting with seven wins, eight wins. You know that from a three win team last year that, that would be improvement, but it's just that's not they're not going about it the right way. Just it just things have, are so bad and, and so discombobulated offensively. You know, it's just such a Bears thing where here's the defense now that's been talked about all years that have been bad. They have a fantastic performance. They only allowed 220 yards total against the, the Vikings. You know, they, they, they got a turnover. They, they think they were like, they held them for like uh, two third down conversions the whole game. But the offense does nothing to uh, to pull it off. It's just such a Bears thing to have, you know, not at, not having a whole team game. The, the special teams looked okay, the defense looked okay, but nothing from the offense. Yeah, bad. My numbers, my numbers, a little more exciting here. Okay, my number, my, num my number is forty six point two, and that is the career yards per punt average from Trenton Gill, and that is the highest in Chicago Bears history among punters that have more than just, you know, a handful of punts here and there. Uh, number two on that list is Pat O'Donnell. We all know Pat O'Donnell. Um, and then number three on that list is from the 1940s and 50s, George 
Gillianix. Yeah, I don't know how to say it right. But I but I recognize it. Yes. Yeah. So Trenton Gill, the guillotine. The guillotine. Number one all time. Bears history with a 46.2 punting average. Well, I have to tell you guys, very excited. Uh, I went to look at Trenton Gill's pro football reference page today because that's what I do. I go and look at player pro football reference pages all the time. And I happen to want to, I just wanted to see uh, what Gill's stats were, what they look like compared to last year. Totally independent of Lester bringing it up. I, I wanted to kind of see where he was at. And I noticed that pro football reference now uses the guillotine as his official nickname, which that is the, that is the paper of record, so to speak, when it comes yeah. to to nicknames. I did not send them information to say, "Hey, could you would you consider this nickname?" And now I have done that for other players where I've come across things in the past. But I thought that was a little. It would be a little self. I didn't even think about it. But I, I thought that would be self serving. Like you know, I coined this nickname. I'm not going to try to try to get it on like that. That that did not happen. It's a little too much. But yeah, it is now on the page. And so it is an official nickname. I know that Gil is familiar with it because he had that tweet a while ago with the, with the T-shirt. He seemed excited about the T-shirt. Maybe we should try to see if we can get him one. Um, maybe we can we can talk to our 500-level buddies and, yeah. and see if they, they can send the Bears one and see if that can make his way to that. But you know, it's just to celebrate the the official nickname christening by, by pro, pro Football Reference. So. Yeah, I, I, you know what? At some point, it won't be anytime soon, but at some point I'll go in and I, I will do that full analysis that I did early last year on his punts versus the historical um, averages, and I'll, and I'll see how he's doing. Um, I had revisited that a little bit, and it, you know, I actually was surprised that he was above average early on in his career, and, and it sounds like he's kind of sticking with that mark right now um, but i'll go back and i'll i'll remap those and i'll, I'll do the calculation and, and crunch that out to see how he's doing at some point it won't happen anytime soon but we'll, we'll do some guillotine stuff at some point you know again you gotta you gotta get excited where you can get excited right you know we had so much cool stuff planned with with our partners at the 500 really level did. i mean we had some nice shirts in the, in the off season that they had introduced and we had a few more on the back when we were waiting on and when the bears suck it's like that's not fun you know i i, I have no interest even like do it because it's just like you know like like this i'm wearing my bears hat today the bnb bear and balance but i don't wear it it's like come on dude just like get some wins you know do do something to make me proud to be a bears fan don't just go out there and lay an egg every week so it's hard to sell bear shirts with with when they're when they're <laughs> rocking a 174 winning percentage right? oh it's terrible uh okay all right let's get into let's get into this justin fields report so Fields goes six for 10 for 58 yards. Brutal. Uh, he did not have a touchdown pass through an interception, took four sacks, uh, lost 18 yards on those sacks, ran eight times for 46 yards. So overall, not a good day. No. And looked a lot like week one where there was just indecision. And, and I think what was shocking to me was that you had 10 days and you knew that the Vikings and Brian Flores were, they're going to come after you. And the first play, you spread it out. You've got five in the in the pattern. And Flores sends six. And Justin Fields locks up and takes a huge yeah. hit. That was, I mean, to me, that there you go. You only needed to see play one. Yeah. 
because it's that's not... that set the tone for the whole day, right? It there. set the tone, right? So so he he doesn't recognize that he needs to get rid of that ball fast. Uh, he doesn't check to see if that guy's coming. I mean, at some point, you have to that you have to either say, hey, okay, I got to make that guy miss, right? And I got to get out on the edge or whatever you're going to do here, or you got to get that ball out of your hands in no time. He yeah. doesn't do that, and and so. That set the tone. That was it, yeah. man. Like, you know, and all day it was like that. Uh, you know, the snapping didn't help things. I know we've talked about that plenty of times. The, the snapping did not help things at times. It blew up plays before they really got going. But there's really just no excuse as an offensive coordinator to have a lack of plan as, uh, you know, protection to not account for that or knowing that if you're going to turn a guy loose that you got to hit a hot um, or you, you've got to make some crazy athletic move that he's more than capable of doing. Um, you know, one of those sacks that he took was one of the more insane things I've seen because he's running away from the guy and then he kind of turns back into him to kind of see where he's at. That was yeah. weird, right? That was kind of one of those like, oh, I think he's maybe lost his mojo here. He's not feeling it. He's he's expecting to get hit. Yeah. And and so and there was another play where I thought watching, and I know this isn't a fair comparison but at some point it actually is because you, you have to you have to give fields the same level of respect as some of these top flight quarterbacks if he's going to get there but you watch josh allen and you watch mahomes and i know those guys are the dudes but those guys start scrambling and they still keep their eyes downfield yeah. and the number of times i saw allen run towards the line of scrimmage and then float one now a lot of times in that game he was he was not that good and he he didn't connect but he was still had his eyes downfield and he was trying to get the ball downfield to his playmakers. There was a few times that fields could have done that, but he was, he already had his eyes down and he was already running. Now, again, Justin Fields is special when he, when he takes off, but he's just not doing those things to give himself a chance. And and I think that that's uh man, just all th- throughout the whole game. He, uh, he was seeing the field better the previous two games mm-hmm. he did not see the field very well today he, he had a bad game and my dog is trying to escape here uh but if you hear that noise on, on the show there but yeah it's uh it was just rough because the stuff we did earlier the previous two two weeks it was gone it just wasn't there this time i don't understand what, what, what the play the plays were fields of course had a bad game it wasn't a, one of his better games but by, by any means but but what was getsy doing you know you know Flores is going to blitz you. You know he's coming to get you. That's what he does. You know, I, I saw the stat. It was like, you know, 70% or something, like some ridiculous number that they blitz Justin Fields and, and Tyson Bajan. It just kept happening. And so you come out, you're supposed to go max protect. You, you check release late. You make sure the protection is there first. Minnesota secondary is not very good. You know, I, I like DJ Moore here. All year, and and this was the plan that they had for for Justin Fields. It just was terrible. They had five good plans to follow because <laughs> Minnesota's defense has been torn up five weeks. Yeah. Right? They're not good, and so this is what you come out with. Like it's like again, we we have so many examples of you don't really know how to use your own players. You don't, you know, you 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 just sort of are living in your own bubble of what you know as an offensive play caller, and you're not stepping outside that. And then we're seeing like, hey, here's a blueprint here, 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 and here. Are you going to incorporate any of that into your game? No, no, not going to do that. No. And it's just, it just seems so silly to me. 
uh, that that we God, why do we have to continue to watch this for another eleven games? Um, all right, let, let's talk about Tyson Bajan. Yeah. So a lot a lot of people pretty excited about Tyson Bajan, right? Like we we heard some groundswell stuff. Now again, cool story. Undrafted free agent comes in, wins the backup job, like eventually gets elevated to be the direct backup. I think that's great. That's incredible. Like I'm really excited about Tyson Bajan to see what he can develop into. But let's let's pump the brakes here, okay? So his first action, ten of fourteen. So great, right? Sounds good. Eighty-three yards. Yeah, uh, that's a five point nine yards per attempt. That's not very good. No touchdowns. One interception. Took a sack uh, and uh, lost uh, lost the fumble. That is not a good game. Two turnovers in you know less than two quarters of play. And I will say that ten of fourteen. That's that's an okay completion percentage. There was a couple turnover turnover worthy throws in there. Like I mean, he was. He was chucking yellow, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was, I mean, he, he was, he was chucking it with a popcorn gun arm. Uh, there, there's some stuff he got away with and he's not going to get away with it all the time. And I was yeah. trying to think of a comparison and I, and again, he's super young. He can develop into something like I'm not shooting this down. To me, this is like, you know, I see a poor man's Gardner Menchu and I like Gardner Menchu. Gardner Menchu is a, a top end backup. Right. And then when he gets to start, sometimes he plays a great, perfect game. He's super accurate. He does not have a strong arm. He got exposed. Gardner mentioned speaking, got, got exposed three, three picks, but I think he threw for 300 yards. Right. So yeah. like there, it feels like a little bit like that where he has to play on time. He has to see the field. Perfect. He has to know what's happening. Like, and, and he has to get the ball out before receivers are out of their break because he doesn't have that arm to be able to get it in there. You can contrast that with someone like Fields who waits too long most of the time because he has an absolute laser that he can just fire it in there, right? So he gets away with things because he's had he's had so much talent and he hasn't yeah. had to anticipate in his life. And so I think you're going to see a very different game out of your Chicago Bears quarterback here than what you've seen out of Justin Fields some good and probably a lot of bad. Like, I, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think that there, there's a chance that the ceiling will never be as high, okay? Like, that's let's just put that out there right now. The I think there's a tendency to want to say the floor is higher, but I don't think that's true because I think that if he's he's in a negative game script or if he has to try to make plays out of structure, if he's got to try to, like, be creative and throw downfield. You're going to see more ducks, particularly if the weather is not very good. I think the floor can fall out the bottom. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Like, again, he's young. He can develop into yeah. something. I'm not trying to bag on him, but this is kind of scary. This could be bad, bad. This could be like, uh, remember a few years back when I think all the Bears quarterbacks are hurt and they had to turn to, uh, was it Craig Krenzel? And they oh, had to sure. turn what? him as yeah, as a starter, okay. and he, he had to start like several games for them, and they, they just won nothing because he just they just didn't have the the arm talent, and that, that's where Bacon is. I don't think he has the arm talent right now, you know. As far as like when you see him at field, so you can see the difference, clearly see the difference. But Bacon, you know, what we did see in the game is is some some quicker decisions, and I think we're going to see a lot of quick game stuff because. I forget who I saw, but someone on social media had a, had a comment and said, you know, sometimes your, your players that don't have as much, you know, physical talent, 
you know, they're forced to kind of do things a little quicker because that's just what they have to do to, to get by. So I think that's what Beijing will do. And, you know, th- there is part of me that's excited to see him play because it is a great story. Undrafted free agent out of Shepard. I mean, who, who the hell would ever have thought that he would have a chance to be in the NFL? Now here he is. He wins the, the backup job in Chicago. He gets a chance. I think it's a great story, but, you know, sports talk radio in Chicago is going nuts. Uh, some of the newspapers are going nuts. Like, you know, like, what are we doing? They're like, ready to anoint this guy. And it's like, you know, let's take a step back. Let's let him play. He, he's going to suck. I mean, he's, he sucked this last game. That's what young undrafted rookies do. That's what first round rookies do. They suck when they first play. So it's not expected for him to come in and be good. It, again, it'll be a great story. It'll be fun to watch. And I think he will play a couple games here because it looks like, you know, Fields with the dislocation is going to miss some time. But, you know, let it play out. And ultimately, if there is a change to be made, if the Bears decide to blow it up and Fields is gone at the end of the year, I think Bacon's gone too because if you're bringing your own rookie quarterback, are you going to want another guy that's experience, inexperienced behind him? Or are you going to want to bring in a guy that knows your scheme? And you come in, maybe maybe Bateman's your 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 QB three next year, but I don't think he has a chance to be the guy. And he's definitely not going to be. He's not playing for his for a chance to be a starter through the NFL because one way or the other, if the Bears move on, they're getting a new quarterback in the first round. Right. I I mean, yeah, a lot 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 going on with that, but I we'll we'll see. Well, you know what? Let's get a full game out of him. <laughs> we'll right? see what happens. Yeah. Like I don't like I I just. I saw so much positive and I, and I have to think it's because he's an undrafted free agent. Right? Yeah. So you're like, Hey, they got this guy for free and look like he looks like he can throw the ball in the direction of wide receivers. Right. Like, I mean, like, you know, the, the expectation on his performance is so much lower than like, Hey, we invested a ton of capital in this guy and he's not this top end quarterback yet. So there's, there's just a misalignment, I think of, of expectations that I think people get pretty excited about. But I mean, if you're just looking at his football, I mean, man, it's it was like kind of a heart attack. If you know half of those throws, the the one to was it Scott that he was like coming on the like, sideline back, I like to like that. make an amazing play, and he was. I mean, it's just a YOLO throw, and it was like a four yard gain or something like that. I mean, it's just this. It's an adventure. Like yeah. I mean, it could be entertaining, and and I think that you could say, Getsy is probably. This is probably the quarter, uh, the type of quarterback that Getsy likes to call offense for, right? Like a lot of this short pass stuff that'll get get the ball out of his hands quick. And so, from a play caller perspective, that th- this is probably a decent match, right? Like, there's it's probably not a terrible terrible idea to to match those two. But is that a good match? Like, is that going to work? Like, I I don't know the answer to that, but. Uh, <laughs> let's give him a full game. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that pass rush from Vegas, uh, you know, that tore up Jordan Love. The, you know, last Max, time I Max Crosby's outstanding. Max Crosby's bad. a good football player. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be a, could be a long day guys. So, yeah. uh, all right, we'll take a quick break uh, on the other side of this. We'll do everybody's favorite segment, the three bears stick with us. All right, Lester, let's talk three bears, hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Who do you have that you'd like to highlight for your hot bowl of porridge? The defense has to be where you go here because that's all that had anything good here. But so so this guy, had he only played 19 snaps on defense, but somehow he piled up seven tackles and a tackle for loss, and that's Jack Sanborn. 
He was all over the place. He also had an assist on special teams for tackle. So 19 snaps getting that much, you know, on, on the statue. Or we've seen other players in, you know, the last several years. They played a lot and they do nothing. So Sandborn made the most of his time. It, it kind of makes you, you thinking like, okay, well, if you got this guy Sanborn who's productive when he plays, did you really need to spend so much money at off-ball linebacker and free agency? It's like I, I like TJ Edwards. I like Tremaine Edmonds. They're both very good football players. But did you not realize what you have here in Jack Sanborn if he's going to put up these kind of numbers here in limited time? You know, especially since you knew you weren't in the championship window. This was the still the, you know, build it up window. You know, so maybe you could have put that money at offensive line, maybe, maybe at an edge rusher, maybe at a, at a, at a better D tackle. I mean, I, we like Andrew Billings, but Justin Jones is okay. But could you have found a better three tech possibly? Maybe you had to, you would have had the money to get one of the guys from the commanders because, you know, just, I don't know, the, the, the money allocation here possibly is, it's really old school. And then especially when, you know, you can find guys like like Jack Sanborn, you know, you can find guys like TJ Edwards, another undrafted guy that the Eagles found. I don't know if that's probably the best way going forward to dump that kind of money into your uh, linebacker core. It was always a questionable allocation of resources. Yes. Right. Like, I mean, we, we talked about that from the beginning. Like, why are you spending so much money at linebacker, particularly when you shipped off Roquan because you didn't want to pay him that kind of money. And I get it. Your negotiations broke down. Roquan Smith right now looks like he might be paving a path to the Hall of Fame. He's playing that well in Baltimore. So that's kind of rough. But interestingly enough, so Sanborn popped to me. I had him on my on my list. I, I also put TJ Edwards down, though. He did have he a great game. game yeah, he did. Right? And, and so he's still on a tackle record pace. So I want to mention that. I, I did the stats uh, calculation before he's he's still on pace now he's slowed down just a little bit from that toward pace that he was on Sanborn collected a, a lot of probably his his tackles in this last game right didn't didn't let uh, Edwards get in and clean him up he recorded a sack for the second straight game he had uh, a force uh, on that play they they call it a sack force yeah. fumble I I just think that was a pick I think that was like a pressure that, and a pick yeah. that was a weird that was a weird stat calculation. I'm wondering if that maybe gets changed officially. It's probably too late. It's already it's already a day later. But uh, sometimes they'll they'll go back and they'll they'll correct those things. But that to me looked like a pressure and a, and an interception. But they, what they did was they credited that as a forced fumble and a fumble recovery uh, by by Edmonds. Edmonds so yeah. um, great play there. And then I wanted to ask you. What in the world? Why did they not give him credit for that fumble recovery along the sidelines? Uh, they talked about how they didn't have enough enough cameras at Soldier Field since it was a, a noon kick. There was uh, the minimum amount of cameras for TV coverage, so which meant they didn't have enough coverage, uh, enough cameras to cover the angle of the uh, recovery. But I'm like, that still looked like but like if they, they call it on the field exactly. But they, I, I, I didn't understand what happened there. I, I guess. Someone said on Twitter that they uh, that they changed it on the field initially, and then the the, the replay was just to make sure. I, I don't know the whole the whole process there was just strange to me. I thought the same thing. You know, you need clear evidence to overturn a call, and I thought that was the call. It looked like a re- it looked like a recovery to me. I, I didn't understand the whole thing. 
that I, I think we got jobbed on that one. That was it's, that was it's very Bearsy thing to happen. That kind of yeah, stuff. that that absolutely looked like a fumble recover to me. Uh, I will say that I, I also had notes in here. They're maybe not worth a full bowl, so we'll have them split it. But okay. the return game, um, yeah. right? Like there's there's the punt returns with Taylor. Like you you, you feel sure handed. You feel good about it. Uh, Valus, you know the returns that counted looked good. <laughs> Not a good idea to pick the ball up as it's rolling around uh, in the end zone. Now, again, once it, hit, which was funny because it hit the end zone. I was like, "Why does that not blown dead?" Like that was my initial yeah. thought. Like that, that's a, that's a touchback. And then he gets, he starts running around with it, and I'm like, "Wait, do I not understand the rule?" Like there's, you know, million thoughts running through my head. And then they place it at the 25. But Valus needs to know that rule as well as anybody right and just like oh it hit the end zone it's a touchback but he kind of panicked and ran to the sideline and eh, that was but that didn't count so so he gets at least a little bit of a shout out yeah yeah the return game is looking good is, is what i'm saying and he's getting a few both of those guys getting a few snaps on offense and you know it's a thing uh cold bull let's let's turn it around what do you got for that plenty of options here for me, you kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm going to go with uh, my cold bowl is the Bears pass protection. And in particular, it's it's the play you already highlighted, the uh, the first play of the game. You know, just you come out and empty. The, the Vikings show pressure from both edges. So the sack happened. And, and I saw people riding Twitter right away. Oh, Larry Borum sucks. It wasn't Larry Borum's guy. He came off the edge. What happens is 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 the pass pro is set based based on who where the middle linebacker is. So they say, okay, this is the mic. So now they're going to adjust their pass accordingly because if he comes, they got to account for him. So they they were all going to the right. Anything off the left edge, Fields has to know he's hot. And then I saw other stuff on Twitter. It's like, oh well, you should have had your your uh, slide to the to the other way. So that way the First read of fields, that way the, the pressure's in his face. He sees it coming. That's not what you do. You set it based off the mic. The mic linebacker is who you, who you pick it as. Now we're going to slide that way. They slid to the right. Fields has to know that pressure's coming there. Now, look, whether he, he knew it was there or not, the ball has to be out immediately. Now, could he have looked towards the pressure? So is he more aware of it? Yeah, he probably should have done that. If he didn't think he'd get the ball quick enough to the right and he knew pressure was coming from the left, then go that way. There was three receivers on that side. You know, he had somewhere he could have went to quickly. Didn't do it. Second play that pissed me off, Darnell Wright. I'm guessing he missed the call because he went out to the, I think it was the defensive back that was blitzing off the edge, leaving Daniel Hunter big ass for your running back to pick up. You never want to have a little guy blocking a big guy. Even Coach Luce talks about it in the press conference today. That's not ideal. They don't want to have, you know, they want to have big on big when possible. Darnell Wright missed the call there. Again, rookie right tackle. They're going to make mistakes. And then I know a lot of people are blaming Foreman. Foreman can't block the guy. Foreman's not a good pass blocker as it is. That's one of the, the problems in his game. But I don't like his chances against Daniel Hunter. You know, 6'4", 265, you know, 70-some-odd sacks in his NFL career. Probably the best pass rusher on the Vikings. I don't want him matched up against Foreman, so – those two plays, just having those those problems, you know, yeah, it's a mistake, but those mistakes can't happen. I uh, completely agree. Uh, yeah, but rough, rough pass protection game. And again, you had 10 days to prepare. 10 for, days. 
Oh. For the Vikings blitzing, you know it's coming. Like, it's if you've watched any Vikings games, you don't even have to watch Vikings games. You just go to the stats, right? Like, you don't even have to turn on the film. You can just go and know that they, they bring heat, right? So you probably should want to prepare for that. They did not. They, they clearly did not have enough. Like, and I'm, I'm talking everybody, you know, Getsy, uh, clearly not calling a, a game against a, a, a blitz-heavy team. Like, just did not see any, a lot of blitz beaters, right? It fields for not having the, the awareness for the offensive line, making plenty of mistakes. Like, it's not easy, but that's actually, that's why the Vikings have been gashed so much is because teams are ready for them to blitz a lot and they play blitz beaters. And then like, like if you live that way, you get gashed, right? Like that against, against teams that take advantage of it. But if you're Move a bad the team, yeah. Right. I mean, there, there's just, oh. you know, there's a reason why it like, Oh, if, well, if blitzing so effective. Why don't you just do it hundred percent of the time? Well, because yeah. there's ways to beat it. Yeah. Right. And, and, but they're so, they're so over leveraged on blitzing that it should be a team that you can take advantage of. They have not been so far this year, but not the Bears. Not That's the frustrating. Bears. Yeah. That to me is coaching, right? Yes. Like exactly. you, you can't convince me that the Bears are so, uh, you know, have such a talent deficit on the offense this year. Like it's just not the case. They have good players, but it it comes down to coaching. So I completely agree with you. I have to at least mention the snaps once again. They continue to get cold bowls of porridge. I it's saved rough, that man. for you. Yeah, I saved it. It's rough. For, yeah. It's rough. Oh, I thought you might bring it up because you have been kind of downplaying it for. I am out on Cody Whitehair center experience. I am officially over this. He's had his chance. Uh, Coach Flus had some. I don't know what he was talking about. They they switched because Patrick has more experience. What are you doing, dude? I get it. You want to protect your guy. You don't want to say I benched him because that's not. You don't do that to a veteran. I get it. So I understand that, but. You know, just figure out something better. Because then they asked Bajan. Of course, the media was all over that. As right. soon as Bajan gets up there, oh, can you explain? You know, do you have more experience with Patrick? Is he is he is he more comfortable having him snap you the ball? And he said, no, I don't. I don't have more experience with either one of those guys because I work with the scout team all days. But but I do try and take snaps from both guys here and there. So yeah, it's it's fine. But I, I just don't understand. He's it. like Dan Feeney's my guy. What are you talking about? And speaking of where the hell's Dan Feeney? It's Brian Cole spends a six round pick on this guy. Bring oh, the mullet. Man. Bring the mullet out. Bring the mullet I in. I want to see Feeney next week. This is this is I'm not saying he's gonna be good. I just want to see him. Let's let's get Feeney in there. Let's 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 get the other guys are bad, so uh yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what I got. Uh what about just right? Just right. I'm gonna go with uh, Deontay Foreman. You know, uh, 15 carries, 65 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. I thought he ran hard. You know, I thought he was physical. You know, he was moving the pile there on occasion. You know, him and and uh, uh, Darrington Evans, both backs had a pretty good game. Um, they didn't stick with the run as much as I thought they should have. But but I thought Foreman, Foreman looked close, man. There was a few times where I thought he was going to break something, you know, and, and he seemed to take the loss hard after the game. He, he, he put a lot of on himself for not breaking, breaking some of those tackles. So, um, but, but I think the Bears running game will be fine uh, moving forward. Lean on it, especially if Bajan's your guy now. You know, you lean on this, you know, more foreman, more fullback, you know, just pound the rock, you know, let Bajan kind of let the game come to him. And I think uh, it's going to be a, a big game out of foreman next week. 
Yeah, I had Foreman written down as well. 15 carries, 65 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. It's exactly what you expect out of a guy like that. And like you say, very close to breaking a few. That would have really changed the, the course of that game. Yeah. Saw that a lot around the league yesterday, actually. There's a, there was a lot of like, oh, almost. Like defense <laughs> kind of dominated for the most part yesterday. Um, but just so like, oh, just, you know, fingertip away from a big catcher. Oh, that guy just tripped, you know, just enough, right? So pretty interesting. Then the Bears had a couple of those. I also wanted to mention uh, Cairo Santos hitting a 53-yarder, uh, and, and he's been great on kickoffs this year. He's just been nails, 10 for 10, and field goals. It also allows me to bring up um, and, and give me an opportunity to give another cold bowl porridge because I, I didn't uh, in, in the previous segment here. <laughs> 22-yard field goal means that the Bears kicked from the five-yard line. Uh, no. like the, I'm sorry. I know it's a defensive head coach, but absolutely not. you got to get that out. Like You have to have the mentality that you get goal-to-goal situations that you're going to go for it. Like you, you are going to play call in a way that you're going to use all four downs to try to get a touchdown. Because, you know, and again, I know people don't – some people don't love analytics, but – if you just turn the ball over and it's inside the five yard line, the expectation for most of those drives is that you're going to, they're backed up. They're going to try to run to get out. You're likely going to stop them and you're going to force a punt. And you're going to have good field positions. Yep. You, may, you may even get a safety and get the ball back. Like there's a lot, there's a lot more good things that can happen when you pin a team down inside the five. And so to me, like, Getting three points early in the game? No, no, no. Get the seven or turn it over and, and play some defense and get the ball back and like have an aggressive mentality. But 22-yard field goal should not be in your vocabulary. Do not like it. Man, we're, we're already on the on the, the the good bowl here. And you're already just right. And you're going back to cold. You're so I, I had to. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. okay. That's okay. Do you, do you I, have something I, good to say at the end on? Because like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there, right? There's really not much. I mean, but like you said, the, the Santos, man, no misses all year. His kickoffs have been strong. You know, there was a lot of talk offseason. Oh, he, he's who was that guy they signed? I don't remember oh, his uh, name now. Schmidt? Schmidt? Schmidt, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is the new guy. Santos sucks. Oh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Santos has been good this year. You know, not a lot of consistency on this Bears team, but he's, he's the one guy that you can always count on. So, and again, over 50 yarder. Again, that was a knock on him early in his career. Oh, he can't make the long one, but the last three or four years, he, he's gotten much better there. So is there anything else we can end on? I don't want to end on a kicker all the time. You don't want to end on a kicker? Uh, Go through your notes. What do you, what do you got positive here? Something's got to be good. Boy, I did not um, have a lot of positive <laughs> uh, things, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the hard thing. Uh, I, you know, uh, Jalen Johnson, you know, looked looked okay at times. How's that? He did look okay. Oh, did you see Jalen Johnson? They asked him today about possible trade trade block. He said, "Of course, I'm I'm aware of it. <laughs> I know the deal. So it could be some trades. I mean, if, if if I was the Bears, you know, again, I'm not sure how much Ryan Poles is securing his job status, but you know, if he's pretty comfortable, maybe maybe he does start making some moves and start selling guys off and." Because I think Jalen Johnson, you know, he'll fetch something in return, you know. So there's a couple guys on this roster you think, okay, let's see who needs a vet. You know, maybe they can make some moves and, and pull some draft picks in. But, but again, if Poles is not secure, why would, why would he care? If he's like, well, if I'm going to get fired anyway, what's the, All right, the so point? 
so here's the argument, right? Is that your your seasons you're not going to be in the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, you're at this point, record-wise, how they've played, you've pretty much told yourself, like, okay, I know where this is going. So you say, okay, well, is this a situation where uh, we're going to be active in free agency next year, or we're going to let our players walk and sign elsewhere and try to get a comp pick? Well, this team's going to be active in free agency next year, regardless of who's making the decisions, because they got all kinds of money. They're still going to own next offseason. So it doesn't make any sense for you to like let players walk, right? So if there's anybody that's under, uh, that's going to be a free agent next year, which Jalen would be, uh, and you don't think he's going to be part of your future, then you move on. You got that's it. That's the argument. Yeah. Now, I like Jalen Johnson, but. Same. If that's the if that's the determination that you don't want to give him a contract, uh, and you have enough juice still in the building that you, you're allowed to make decisions like that, then yeah, you you're going to be on the phone and you're going to you should be moving pieces. Now it's not going to make fans happy to continue to to sell off good players, but you're already bad as the theme of the show, and so at this point, you're you, you kind of want to continue to be bad for ensuring high draft picks so that you can try to lock down some blue chip players. Yeah. Uh, players and coaches won't tank, but the front office can, can certainly tank by, by making moves and, you know, setting you up to, to not be as successful as, as you currently are with your one win team. So man, this show sucked. Man, so much it bad. Is a boring, lame, ridiculous <laughs> waste of a season. There it is. All right. Well, we'll end it there. Uh, despite the record, we're still around. We're, we're still creating content. We're still hanging out with you. Uh, and we are going to continue to do that on the YouTube to check on the, the questions and comments. If you're listening to this on the podcast and want to join us every Monday at six o'clock, although next week you're going to be joined by a special guest. Uh, Taylor Dahl is going to be taking my place. She's going to be filling in uh, for me. And then you are going to be filling in for me on uh, Bears Over Beers next Wednesday with EJ. You even have a beverage that you are going to bring on that people are going to want to join just to watch you drink this beverage. Um, I will I will tell you guys that. But anything else going on you want to highlight before we get out of here? I'm a little nervous now because now I have going to have to drink the whole thing while I'm on air with uh, with EJ next next Wednesday. So, now it's, you know, it's, it's like you said, we got – no matter what's going on with the Bears – we got stuff popping. I know Jacob has a mock draft already and ready this week because right now the Bears are one, two. So let's take a look at what's out there. This is a, well, I was going to use a not appropriate term, but this is a, a dream scenario for, for Jacob and Fonte uh, yes. who loves the draft and will have endless possibilities to play with the mock draft simulator uh, and show all of the things that you can do with the number one and number two picks, but uh, make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you're checking out the rest of our shows. Uh, and until next week, do your best, take care of your mentals and uh, bear down. Thanks guys. <laughs>